Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. We good at the 11 a.m. today? Yeah? Hey, um, final reminder, next week we start a brand new series called It's Complicated, all about relationships, and uh, my wife is team teaching this with me for the first time in a while. I don't think we've done this since like pre-COVID, which is uh, like two decades ago. So we get to do that start next week for four weeks. The, where I want to encourage you on is this is a series for everybody. So this isn't just if I'm married or, you know, you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other. This is for anybody because a lot of what we're going to deal with for four weeks absolutely will apply to those relationships in big ways, but also there's a lot of application in terms of general relationship health principles. Um, and so we're so excited for this series. It's an easy invite, and inviting is a huge part of what we do here because we're a church for the city. Um, if you come here long enough, we don't want you to become another self-righteous, pharisaical Christian that checks boxes off, sits in seats, and then never looks beyond themselves. So this is a great opportunity to go, hey, it's complicated. We want to help. You should come check it out. Don't inform people. Invite them. And informing is like, I go to a church somewhere. You should come. If, like Inviting is like, I go to the 11 a.m. or wherever you're coming from from. You should come um, hang out. I don't know what your church experience has is, is been, but I, I think this might be different. You might even be surprised. And so that's next week. Cannot wait for that. And I said last week, even if you don't get anything out of it, it's not going to be boring. Um, just for the sheer fact that my wife is going to be on stage. And if you don't know her, you don't get that, but just trust me. So be here next week. Um, so with that said, we are in part four of this series called It's Time. And I, I bet everybody has heard this statement. There's two kinds of people in the world. Now, we've heard it so often, you probably don't even know what comes next after the statement. Um, originally, it was attributed to Mark Twain. And anytime anybody says this, whatever comes next is an oversimplification every single time. But that's not always bad. Like, simple is actually portable. Simple is memorable. Sometimes people accuse me of not being deep enough. And, you know, my reply is always, maybe I'm just clear, but I don't know. Sometimes we equate um, deep with, I didn't understand any of that, which is not helpful. So there are two kinds of people in the world, people who make excuses and people who make a difference. Now that is an oversimplification, but there's like truth to that. And what we've talked about in this series is what kind of person do you wanna be? Like, do you wanna be a person that goes decade after decade, year after year, season after season, making the difference that you have been called to in the people around you, in the world around you, if you're a follower of Jesus, in terms of the fact that God's called you to something? Or do you want to live your life hiding and making excuses and never stepping into what you know you've been called to in your life? And even if you're not a Jesus follower, I'm so glad you're with us, watching, listening on radio, podcasting, because this is just a subject for all of us. It doesn't matter what you believe about faith. And my hope is you'd come to the place to believe Jesus is legit. But even if you don't, you recognize this. We all have the propensity to hide behind excuses. And so in this series, part four, it's time moving past the excuses to hold you back. This is what we're talking about. You should bring things from one season to the next, like good friends, good rhythms, healthy habits, you know, all of those things. And then there's stuff that you should leave behind forever. And the biggest thing I think is our excuses. 
And what we've kind of um, attributed our excuses to is paper tigers. Paper tigers are like those things that you look at and they seem insurmountable. They seem like there's no way I can ever get past this. And then in reality, they're not really real. And the thing about our excuses, and I know this is true of me, from a distance, my excuse looks like an obstacle. It looks like I can't get past it. From a distance, my excuse looks like a real reason but it's not necessarily a real reason. And so what we've said is if you stay under those excuses, rehearsing those excuses to yourself long enough, they turn into becauses. Becauses that you hide behind, meaning, hey, why didn't you? Because, why didn't you start? Because, why haven't you finished? Because, why'd you leave? Because, like, why, why are you in debt? Because, why haven't you reached out to have a conversation? Because, and our becauses are always rational reasons because we want to be seen as rational people, but they may not be legit. And you keep telling yourself and other people that this is the reason I'll do this because dot, dot, dot. And you have a well-rehearsed, well-crafted narrative. But at the end of the day, you, you kind of know it's an excuse masquerading as a cause and it's not really real. So here's kind of the, um, I don't know, uncomfortable question that we've been asking, at least it's uncomfortable for me. Is it possible, just asking, is it possible that some of your well-rehearsed reasons are actually excuses? Is it possible that you're actually missing out because some of your well-rehearsed reasons are actually excuses? Like this has like been me multiple times in my life, and I remember when I was finishing undergrad and was about to go into graduate school, I kind of knew that God was prompting me in a certain direction. And I get, like, if you're not a, you know, person who's into faith, you're trying to figure out Jesus, all that sounds weird. And God's never spoken to me, so I'll put you at ease. There's never been an audible voice. Those people freak me out, actually. But God has prompted and led in different directions. I just knew God was leading me a certain direction in terms of what I'm doing now and starting a church, which I felt the most unqualified person in the world to do that. And I made every excuse in the book but I didn't call it excuses. And really all it was is fear. And I remember distinctly two occasions, I had a business communications professor um, kind of confront me, but she was very like wise and had a high level uh, you know, social IQ. So she did it in a way I didn't really recognize and led me right to the edge of my excuses and paper tigers and was like, what are you gonna do with this? And I knew that God was prompting. And my dad did a similar thing where I had been talking about all this stuff about going into business and this is what God wanted and this, you know, this and that. And I knew at the end of the day that I was just afraid and I was just insecure and I wouldn't tell anybody else that. I wasn't gonna admit that to anybody else. But at the end of the day, I almost missed out, I believe, on what God wanted, what God was prompting me to, the greatest joy of my life other than raising my kids and loving my wife because I was so afraid and so insecure because here's the reality. So much of our excuses are based in fear and fear of failure is really difficult to admit to you, isn't it? Fear of failure is really difficult. I'll admit a lot of things. I don't like to admit that I'm afraid of failing. I don't like to admit that I'm afraid of anything. And yet so many of us end up in that place where we get held back because we're afraid to admit that we fear something. And generally, you know, this fear is the result of I experienced something one time and I want to experience that again. And we don't even always know where it comes from, but all of a sudden something triggers it out of nowhere. And then we immediately go back to those narratives that we've been rehearsing over and over and over again and telling our story and lying to ourselves and potentially missing out on where we need to be and, and even ultimately getting stuck in life. Like here's how I would equate excuse. Excuses are like kryptonite. Like they will kill you slowly and they will make you small 
And they will insulate you and they will lead you to a place where relationally a lot of times you are unavailable and those excuses start to turn into lies and you just lie to yourself. And one of the greatest tragedies is that people can live whole seasons of their life just lying to themselves about why they're doing what they're doing. And at the end of the day, and you know this already, but you miss out. When you do that, you miss out. And more importantly, the world misses out on you because, and this is maybe the greatest tragedy of all, you miss out on God's plan for you. And we've said this throughout the series, but excuses have a way of making themselves into little tyrants and kings that just control and rule your life. They start to tell you what to do and what not to do, what you can succeed at, where like you're off the rails, where you should just stop, where, hey, are you, rem- you need to be reminded of like the three generations of dysfunction and your mom did and her mom did and you know, they, it was their fault, so you just need to you know, forget and move on. And all of those things that come to your mind where your excuses start to control every area of your life, they start to control what decisions you make, where you live, what steps of faith that you take. And here's what we've said, there's a direct correlation between faith because you cannot allow God to be the master and Lord of your life and allow your excuses to be your master as well. Because your excuses will tell you what you can't do and sometimes simultaneously, Jesus will be communicating about that same area of insecurity. That's the place where I wanna do my greatest work and you're either gonna listen to your excuses or you're gonna listen to me and I'm gonna move you past that thing by the power of the Holy Spirit and take your weakness and make it the epicenter of my power, my will, my destiny for your life. You can't serve both. And the reality is when we hide, we miss out on God's plan for our life. And I don't know what you believe, but if you at some level are following Jesus and believe that there's a creator God that came in human flesh and that we have been invited to call God heavenly father, not your jacked up father, not the maybe baggage you're carrying, but a perfect heavenly father who has invited us in and he hears our prayers and says to us, I have created you with a unique will and destiny and I'm the sovereign creator God of the universe, which means I bring up leaders and kings and I move them aside on the stage of history. I take nations and I move nations aside. I control all things actual and possible. I am the Lord of creation and I've invited you into a specific will and destiny and I don't want you to miss it. And come on, that's not complicated. For some of you are a parent, it's part of your unique will and destiny in this season. If you're a 16-year-old, you're a 76-year-old, God has a unique will and destiny for your life. And you can get to a place where you can hide for so long that you miss it and you never know what God would have done. This is what Paul talks about in the New Testament when he writes specifically a group of Ephesians Christians in the first century. And in this letter, and by the way, man, it was not a great time for them. There was so much that they were facing. Paul is an interesting story. I've talked about this before, but this guy was one-way track to dismantle Christianity because he didn't believe any of it was true. This is historically something you should look at if you're a skeptic. And then somehow, basically overnight, this dude goes from killing Christians to becoming one, going from the greatest dismantler of the movement of the way in all of history to the guy who planted more churches than anybody in all of history. You got to ask the question, what causes somebody to do that other than a dude coming back from the dead? And so Paul's that guy that somehow he has a complete change of mind because he believed that Jesus and the movement of the way was nothing reputable. And all of a sudden he believed that Jesus rose from the dead and he's like, I'm in. And then he writes to first century Christians and here's what he says. Here's how he summarizes all of this. Ephesians 2.10, for we're God's creation. Just real quick, any created thing is created with a purpose. 
Any manufactured thing is, create, is manufactured with a purpose. Even if you create something, you're like, well, what purpose is in that? Sometimes it's just pleasure, enjoyment. But every created thing is created with a purpose. And in fact, here's the, the meaning of purpose. Here's the meaning of meaning. Meaning is being a means to an end that is bigger than you. And God says, the very fact that you're made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, that you have your th- my thumbprint on you, means that you were created with a unique purpose. You are a means to an end for something that's bigger than you in this world. For you are God's creation, created in Christ Jesus, or literally recreated in Christ Jesus. If you ever come to the place to go like, I think it's true, I think Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave. And again, I, I just kind of said this, but I'm gonna punctuate it. We don't follow Jesus because of the Bible. There was no Bible completed for about 300 years. We don't follow Jesus because of Christians. We don't follow Jesus because of the church. We don't follow Jesus because some people tried to keep his teachings alive. There was no Jesus movement, no Christians, no Bible on Easter weekend. When Jesus died, the movement died with him. When Jesus died, the teachings died with him. Everybody gave up hope, unfollowed Jesus, and then they ate breakfast with him on the beach, and they're like, it's true. He predicted his own death and his own resurrection. We're following the guy that came back from the dead. That's 2,000 years later why we're here. It's not because of the Bible. It's because of resurrected Jesus. No resurrected Jesus historically, we ain't here. We're not talking about this. And so he says, if you have been recreated in Christ Jesus to place your faith in what Jesus has done for you, here's all that means. It's Paul's code language for people who've embraced the new covenant command. And the new covenant command was all the stuff in the Old Testament was purposeful. It was inspired to get us to a point where Jesus entered planet Earth and then he put an expiration date on the whole thing and introduced something brand new, a new covenant command that said, I want you to love you and love other people the way that God's loved you. Meaning, whatever God's called you to, it's not just for the sake of you. It's for the sake of the world. For we're God's creation, we're created in Christ Jesus, and then I love this, to what? To what? Do good works. Just real quick, and I don't want to go off on this, but this is just a, and I swear I'll get through this verse. To do good works. I think that there's a danger in like Western Christianity where we boil down the whole following Jesus thing to all the stuff we didn't do. And it drives me crazy. Like, listen, I don't think God is nearly as impressed with us as we are. Like, I think we're sitting around high-fiving ourselves about all the things we avoided, and he's like, would you stop it? Like, when did Christianity become all the stuff that you avoid so literally you can just live six decades of your life patting yourselves on the back and high-fiving because of all the stuff that you avoided and actually never step into what I've called you to do and never make a difference in the world? Listen, I am unmoved by the people on the outside that look morally superior and never do anything and never love anybody. That's never changed my life. You give me the person where it's a little bit banged up, it's not linear, they go off the rails a few times. There's some messiness to their story, but they stay focused with their eyes fixed on Jesus that this life is not about me. That individual has the power to change things around them. And I just think God is completely unimpressed with us to go, stop fist bumping about all the 13 things that you avoided based on denomination, culture, and where you live in the world and recognize that I have called messy, dysfunctional people like you to actually do something. And so even if you fail in the process, I'll I'll take that over hiding your entire life behind a pew, lifting your hands in worship, checking off a box, and never stepping into the mess of what I've called you to change on planet Earth. And I need to breathe, for we're God's creation, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That God looked in time and space and he knew you and he knew me. And he chose you anyway, chose me anyway. And this is, this is the essence of good news. It's you lean in and you want it to be true even before you verified it. Like this is the gospel that God has planned something for you in advance. And my question is just this, and this is where I wanna start to end this series. And I've said this a lot, but I don't want you to miss it. What if God has a plan and will and purpose for your life that's unique? I think one of the things that really guided my life, and I don't know how intentional my parents were with this, but I assumed that they were because it, it impacted, but it was, it was this understanding over and over again that, hey, just, I just want you to remember, God has a will and a plan for your life. God has something for your life. God wants to do something with your life. And I, I had enough off the rails decisions, so I'm not gonna pretend, but I, I tell you, it kept me from a lot more off the rails decisions. It, it aligned me with the fact that, I, that, that there was something in me that knew that God had a vision for my life, God had a future for my life, and, and that I didn't wanna miss that. Like, what if God has created you on purpose for a purpose? And what if there's the potential that you could miss out because you're opting out, because you're hiding out? because you're excusing out and it's all related to your fear and your insecurity and what somebody labeled you. And isn't it crazy, man? Somebody can label you and you would never take advice from them and yet you've been carrying their word or their label over you for seven years. Or, or because maybe something was expected of you and you didn't meet the bar. Like what if, what if God has something more for you if you'll step into it? And here's the reality for, for all of us, me included. Excuses actually become a subtle way of refusing to take responsibility for our life. Because we constantly go back to, well, here's why I haven't. Here's why I didn't take that step. Here's why I didn't reach out to them. Here's why I've never gotten help. Well, if you knew my story, if you knew what they did, if you knew, knew how badly I was hurt, and, and again, they sound rational, but they actually become a subtle way of refusing to take responsibility for what we need to take responsibility for. And if you're a Jesus follower, they actually become a subtle way of resisting the will of God for your life. And come on, it, it's not that hard for some of us you know, the will of God is like, what, not, you know, what, what job next? Who am I going to marry? I mean, all those are big questions. But a lot of times there's stuff right in front of you. Like the will of God is that you go forgive people the way that God's forgiven you. Like I preached that message last week of like one of the applications of this is that you're to move in the direction when you get, when God's light comes into your darkness to get things right relationally. Like that's one of the many applications. You need to reconcile even if it was their fault. I got done preaching that message. This is the, the downside of what I do. I walk out, I have a friend of mine who tends here. It's like, hey, there's this uh, funeral on Tuesday. Somebody that we knew years ago is like, this such and such is gonna be there. And immediately like this thing went up in me because I haven't talked to this guy for five years. And honestly, like I felt like he wronged me and there's a whole bunch of issues. And I'm like, I need to go, but I don't wanna go. I need to go, but I don't wanna talk to him. Um, I need to go, but that dude should have reached out to me a long time ago. Like all this stuff playing in my mind. And I just kept going, yeah, like his fault. And then I just kept hearing back, but you need to go reconcile. His fault, you need to go have a conversation. His fault, like you need to go anyway. And, and I'm telling you, it, it's like God over and over again going, listen, you are just excusing. You are hiding behind paper tigers. You literally just preached about this, you hypocrite. Go do it. <laughs> and so I did. And I went. And I don't like to tell stories that, you know, where you tie a bow on things, but it was, it was incredible. I got to have a conversation with this guy and we hadn't talked for about five years and um, it was, you know, not the best of circumstances to be having that conversation. But I'm telling you, I walked away from that so unbelievably free because in that moment, that's God's will for my life. That's God's destiny for my life. And I don't want to miss that. 
And so as we start to end this series, I want to give you five not so easy steps to move past finally the excuses that are holding you back, they're holding me back. Now, I never like to do steps. I don't like to preach messages like that. It's never that simple, but that's the only way I could kind of couch this. And I just want to make sure that I am painfully clear in terms of, for a lot of us, what we need to do next, including me. Because I don't know if you know this, I, and this is, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, I always preach stuff out of my own, like, I feel this, so I'm going to preach it. So I got that advice a long time ago. How do you know what to preach? I just preach whatever I'm dealing with, that's what comes out in the series. All right? So here's five not-so-easy steps. Here's my warning, though. If you do these, you will get your feelings hurt. <laughs> By you. Because if you're honest with you and you, you take seriously what I'm about to talk about, you will get your feelings hurt. And I just want to say this. You are not as great as you think you are. Welcome to church. <laughs> like, you're a mess. At some, and I'm not saying don't get healthy and whole. You've been called to that. We had a whole message on that in this series. So you can go back and listen to that. So I'm not advocating we just stay where we are. Like, well, I'm dysfunctional. You know, it is what it is. But I'm just going to tell you, you are never as amazing as you think you are. Your life is going to be bumpy. It's going to be rocky. There's going to be dysfunction. You're going to think you're amazing. And then you're not going to be amazing. You're going to be like me that for the first nine years of parenting, I was ready to write a book, sign me up. I am so good at this. And then, you know, you get into a space where like, I'm the worst parent in the world. I have no idea what I'm doing. None of us are that amazing. And so we should just drop the act, look around at everybody. Nobody is as pretty as they think. We're dysfunctional. We're in need of a savior. Jesus is the only one who's got moral superiority over anything. And so you should be able to admit to you, I'm not that amazing. I've gotten it wrong. Jesus lead me out of the darkness and into the light. And one of the reasons that keeps us and holds us back is because we just think we're better than we are. And we're not. Love you. So five not so easy steps to pushing back these things. And here's the thing. Some of these things are gonna be like a revelation to you when you really dig down and are serious about them. And then there'll be other people around you that are like, I'm glad they finally recognized that. <laughs> like you may be surprised by certain things that come to the surface. People that know you well will not be. They'll just be relieved. You'll be surprised. And so first one, and I'm, I'm gonna try to go quick. And this is the no brainer, but it still has to be on the list. You can't abandon an excuse you haven't identified, so you gotta identify them. And I know for some of us, that's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's step one. But you've gotta identify them. Some of us are still living behind narratives and excuses, and we've never really identified them. And you're not gonna be able to move past it until you identify it. And so you've gotta be really clear. Lamentations 340 says this. And if you've been waiting for me to bust out Lamentations, this is your day. Lamentations 340. Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. There's a direct connection between your ability to follow Jesus and your willingness to push past the excuses that hold you back. And in some cases, we have invented reasons that aren't really reasons. Another translation is will say, and return to God. This isn't just about being your best self. That is not what this series is about. This is about what God's called you to do for the world. And this is about the fact that those areas of your life, this isn't just about, you know, pushing past the stuff that holds you back. This is about moving closer in relationship to the God that you follow through Jesus. And the only way you're gonna do that is to get honest about why am I being held back and to listen to your becauses. Well, I can't because. I won't because. I walked out and I left because. 
I, I won't reach out to him. I won't reach out to her because you need to pay attention to it. And again, I know that they're believable and you've never stopped, maybe because you don't want to. I've never stopped because I don't want you to really examine. Like you need to listen to your because. Well, I'm in debt because. The economy's bad. Things are bad. And it's like, yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's the 79 payments on the TV, you know, the depreciating asset that's kind of gotten you where you are. I don't know. Like, listen to your because. Maybe that hit too close to home. I don't know. But like, whatever, even in terms of faith, like, I I don't go to church because you may have a really great reason, but you should analyze your because, your narrative, or, you know, you've abandoned faith or you don't believe because. What are those things? And here's what I would encourage you. Every time that pops up, you should write it down. Or you should stick it in your phone. Even if immediately you know, because have you ever had this happen? Like that thing, that narrative comes up, you're like, that's insane. Like you know you shouldn't believe that. You know it's not true. Write it down anyway. Or that thing that pops up and you know immediately it's an excuse. You don't even have to evaluate it. But you need to identify it anyway because the only way you're gonna begin to take the step to move forward and stop sabotaging your future, for me to stop sabotaging my future is to identify it because if I can't identify it, I'm not gonna be able to move beyond it. And then the second one is this, and this is the one that'll start to hurt your feelings if you're honest with yourself. You need to interrogate them. You need to interrogate your excuses and the things that are holding you back. You need to start to ask really specific, really painful, why questions about why you keep going back to that thing. Basically, why do I immediately opt for that narrative? Like, why do I make that that excuse every time that topic comes up? Every time I'm with her at Thanksgiving, this happens. Why does this happen every time I'm in close proximity to that relationship? Every time that question comes up, every time this thing is mentioned about my past, like, why do I always do that? Like, why do I always go to that? Why do I always rehearse that thing over and over again every time that happens? And I'm just telling you, you have to pay attention to that. You have to dig down. And for some of us, the question really is this, in that thing that I keep rehearsing, what am I afraid of? For some of us, it's a person. Who am I afraid of? Or that thing that I won't get help for, I won't push back, I won't have a conversation with them, I won't face it. Is it possible that, am I just being lazy? And nobody likes to admit that to themselves because nobody's lazy. You can't see that in the mirror. But am I just being lazy? Am I just being selfish? And generally, laziness and selfishness, there's a connection between those two things. Or am I just being insecure? In my insecurity or my laziness or my selfishness, I have a well-crafted narrative that I'm hiding behind, but I'm not gonna move forward until I answer that question and I interrogate my excuses to find out why that's my go-to move every single time that happens. Why do I do that? And here's the thing that a lot of us will discover. Here's why this is important. Because your response, if you're brutally honest with you, your response will clarify this is, this is what it means to bring Jesus' darkness into your light. It will clarify whether that is an actual excuse, because we have actual excuses. I mean, there's real reasons for why we didn't do certain things and they're legit, but it will clarify whether that is an actual excuse or whether it's a made-up excuse, whether it is an actual obstacle or whether you're hiding behind a paper tiger that's not real. And here's the reality. Answering why will reduce the power of that excuse. That's why this is important. The reason that we haven't left some of them behind is because they seem so powerful, impenetrable, insurmountable. We can't get past this. And we keep looking at what's happened three generations before, what they did to us, the thing at 17, what we can't get past. That's just not my personality. And it just seems like such a big deal. But when you begin to bring this into light, I'm telling you, this is why this is so important. The power of your excuse begins to diminish because any excuse that you bring into the light, guess what happens? 
it gets lighter. It doesn't get as scary. You're not as afraid of it. And in fact, in a lot of cases, when you begin to, to call it what it is, it gets smaller. In some cases, it gets more ridiculous because you've been hiding behind this, all, all this stuff and so, suddenly you've confronted it and you're like, I'm telling myself, what? I'm hiding behind what? I, I keep going back to this again and again and it gets smaller. It gets more and more ridiculous. In a lot of cases, it gets disposable where it's easier to leave behind because you finally see it for what it is. It's why you've got to interrogate them or you'll never be able to reduce that excuse down to a size to where you can leave it behind. Jesus said it this way, John recorded it, and you'll know the truth. The truth that you've been hiding from, the stuff that you won't acknowledge to yourself, the narratives you've been hiding from, you will know the truth about that thing, your circumstance, and about you. And knowing that truth begins to set you free to let go of the lie. And it begins to set you free from allowing that excuse to control and be the master of your life. And then the third thing, you guys still with me? 11 a.m., you got to relabel them. And I know this sounds crazy, but I think sometimes you just have to do this out loud. Like you've got to relabel what you keep saying and you got to say it out loud. Can I just say this quick theology lesson? You have a savior that is omniscient and omnipresent, is all powerful, all knowing. You have an enemy that's none of those things. You ever thought about this? The enemy can't read your mind. Enemy doesn't know what you're thinking. There is power in saying stuff out loud, not just for you, but for the sake of the enemy to go, I don't know what you think you're holding over me. I don't know what power you think you have over me. I don't, think, I don't know if you think you know, where you're, you know where you think you can lead me, but I've been invited into life to the full and I have a sovereign creator, powerful king who's Lord of my life. And so I wanna speak out loud, not just to me, I wanna speak out loud to you. You have no rule over my life. And so you just need to say, it's not an excuse or it is an excuse. What are you supposed to say? Let me look at my notes. That's not a reason, that's an excuse. And you should get it right before you do it because that, that'll lead you a whole nother direction. That's not a reason, it's an excuse. It's not a reason, it's an excuse. And you need to say it out loud to you so you can begin to relabel. I think you need to say it out loud to the enemy to begin to release power to go, I'm not moving in that direction any longer. And the Number one thing that the enemy wants to do is to deceive you with lies, which is what he's done from the very beginning. And you need to confront it with truth to go, it's not a reason, it's an excuse, and I'm not being held back by this any longer. And here's the thing, it's an excuse that you created. So here's the good news. If you built it, you can tear it down. If you manufactured it, you can tear it down. If you created it, you can obliterate it. You can take this thing down to the ground where you finally get to the place where you relabel it and you're honest with yourself to go, I'm not a victim. And I'm not diminishing any of the stuff that you've had happen to you. I'm just saying there is something more powerful that can outweigh what you've experienced and what has been done to you. And I get that it's legit and your story doesn't look like somebody else's story. And it seems like they have a lot more advantages, but do not reduce the power of a resurrected king to do what he wants to do with your life to go, I'm not a victim. My past cannot imprison me any longer in Christ. My failures cannot imprison me any longer in Christ. My insecurity cannot imprison me any longer in Christ. 
Christ. And this is where I get so passionate because we have so many people sitting in seats in churches and they have grown a victim to what they did, what somebody else did, what somebody told them. It's too late. They're too far gone. They can't do it. And it's just simply not the gospel. And I'm not diminishing our bad choices. I'm just saying we have a God that brought good news to planet earth, that he did everything on our behalf. And you are never too far gone. You are never a prison to your failure. You are never secondary to somebody else. God has a unique will and destiny for your life. Don't be held back by that lie. Relabel it. It's not a reason. It's excuse. I'm not going to hide behind it any longer. And when you begin to do that, you are well on your way. Because in that moment, there's nobody else to blame. And you're in the driver's seat and you hold all the cards. And it's as if in that moment, you cut ties with the lies. You disable the labels. And you begin to acknowledge what you know is true. And that truth has the potential to set you free to love, to do, and to be who God created you to be. And that's the part of the message, like I try to tone it down, but just this is such a random story. But my 10-year-old daughter, so I had my kids in during the worship, and they're like, yeah, we want to we wanna listen to music, all of that. And they're like, no offense, uh, the preaching's boring. So we'd like to go, like we'd like to leave after that. I was like, well, none, none taken. And my 10-year-old daughter, Brooke, she's like, could you just, could you just tone it down? She's like, I... Like, I get you're passionate, but you'll mock me. I'm like, you, do, you don't have to do this. Just say it. I get you understand it. You're passionate about it, but just say it and we'll get it. So like, literally, this is every week counseling for them. We're like, daddy, you just need to tone it down a little bit. It's too much. So it's why they're not in here right now. Um, so step four, that was totally random. It's for free. Step four is the death nail, I think, potentially in these excuses. This has the power to give you the energy to move past give you the courage to move past. And it's really an answer to a question. What do I lose if I continue to excuse? You, you, I need to give myself clarity by asking this question. You need to give yourself clarity. What do I lose if I continue to excuse? And I'll just tell you, the price is too high. And for some of it, like we, we can literally list out, you can literally make a list because you kind of know it's the thing that nags you. Like, what do you give up? What are you gonna give up if you stay here and you keep hiding? In some cases, who are you gonna give up? What are you going to miss out on? Who, who are you going to miss out on? Because I'm telling you, our excuses always alienate us some way relationally. What opportunity potentially are you going to miss out on? Where, where do you have the potential to lose respect from somebody else around you because you won't confront this thing? Or I ask myself this question, who has to pretend around you? And they have to act like they don't see it and they don't know. And they just kind of navigate the relationship. Like, what do you have the potential to lose? And I'm telling you again, write it down. Put it in your phone. Because what you'll discover is the price is too high for whatever you give up to hold on to that excuse. And here's the tragedy. A lot of times, we don't even know what we're going to give up. We live with the tragedy of, I wonder what God would have done. I wonder what God might have done if I had confronted that. And listen, we're going to have enough inevitable regret anyway. Like nobody's getting to the finish line unscathed. But I'm just telling you with all your baggage, if you would bring that to him to allow his light to light up your darkness, he wants to lead you somewhere because in the areas that matter most, most in our life, we don't get do-overs. And I know we know this, but we don't get do You're not going to get a, a first marriage back. Heck, you're not going to get a second marriage back. 
You're not gonna get raising your kids in that season again, and you're not gonna get it right perfectly. So I'm not, I'm not putting guilt on any of us or, or shame, but we only get one shot. You only get one shot at 16. You only get one shot at 76. Don't waste it away. I, the story of, of Moses, who's called by God, and at some level, his story is extraordinary, but also he's very real. He's got a ton of excuses over and over again. He ends up in the wilderness leading a bunch of ex, you know, complaining, grumbling people for 40 years. Honestly, he had every reason to make some of the decisions he did. If I'm looking at it from a humanistic or a human perspective, I'm like, that, those people were impossible. And eventually Moses gets to the place where God had called him to something so unique and he just kind of throws his hands up to go, are you seeing these people? They're a mess. And he uses that as an excuse and he disobeys God and they get to the edge of the promised land. And in Numbers 20, verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you didn't trust me, because it all comes down to an issue of trust, I'm not gonna bring this community into the land that I gave them. You will not bring this community into the land. Basically, Moses, you're gonna miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime. Because anytime you hide behind your excuses, you lose something in the process. And I know you, even though I maybe don't know you, I know you don't wanna to get to the end of your life and have regret about what you could have done because that's what regret is. I could have, I should have, and I didn't. And look at who I'm following. You have every reason to push back and push past that excuse. And the thing that you have to do is you've got to interrogate them. You've got to get to the place where you bring them into the light and you relabel them, you identify them, and you get to the place of I'm leaving this behind forever and I'm not hiding behind my fear, my insecurity, what I was labeled, what I was called any longer. And then the fifth one is just extra credit. Fifth one is tell somebody. Just tell somebody. Like my wife and I, just because our, our relationship, um, we do this with one another every once in a while where one of us is telling an excuse and we'll just call it. And one of the ones literally this week is I'll constantly praise my wife about what an amazing, like she's the most organized person in the world, like legit. She plans all of our vacations, all of our travel, anything we're ever doing. If we're doing a thing with the kids, she's planning it all. She has manila envelopes and like flow charts and spreadsheets and like, it's amazing. It's, and so constantly, you are amazing. You are so much better than me at this. Same thing with some of the stuff with the kids. And so finally she just called me on. It's like, would you stop praising me for all the ways that I'm amazingly organized? Like you just don't want to do any of it. So you act like you can't. And like, I'm amazing. Same thing with the kids. She's like, you'll never get our kids dressed. You get yourself dressed every single day in such an amazing way. And you act like you can't clothe our three boys. Like stop it. Stop praising me. Stop acting like you don't know how to do it. It's an excuse. So you can get me to do all of this stuff myself. And I'm like, you're 100% right. <laughs> and would you continue to do all of those things anyway? Because I still don't want to do them. But like, whatever it is. Like, and we've got bigger things that, are, that are, have more consequences than that. But like every once in a while, you just have to admit or have somebody call you on the fact. It's, it's just an excuse. So every time I bring this up, will you just call me? Would you just call me on it? And come on, in the areas that really matter most, isn't that how we want to live like, like, what if every person started to be honest about the excuses that they're hiding behind? Can you imagine what would happen in our families? Can you imagine what would happen in the world? Can you imagine what God might be able to do? There's this terrifying verse in James, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I know we don't always think of our, our excuses as sin, but 
Our excuses are lies. And lies are sin. And they're not sin because, you know, God's trying to get us or because, well, there's this verse or this commandment. No, no, no. This is the New Testament covenant command. All comes down to one command that says, I want you to love you. I want you to love other people the way I've loved you. And when you lie to you, you hurt you. And you can't hurt you without hurting your heavenly father. So confess it. Get it into the open so that you can be healed because you cannot heal what you've been hiding. And so I just, as we end, I just want to say this to you, and I've said it in several ways, but I just don't want you to miss it. If you don't identify these excuses, you can excuse your life away. Your marriage away, the season of your life away, the bad habits away, heck, your relationship with God away. So why don't we just decide? I don't know what God's going to do. You may still have a lot of questions. I don't know if I can ever beat this. Leave that up to God. Just do what you can do in the moment. And what you can do in the moment is go, I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with hiding behind this. I'm done with the paper tigers that keep seeming insurmountable to me. I'm just moving past all of it and I'm not gonna hide behind it anymore because listen, there's two kinds of people in the world, right? People who aren't you and someone who is you. And only you can uniquely fulfill the destiny and the will that God has for your life and you don't wanna miss it because life is too short and the world's too broken. And God's too great. So identify them, interrogate them, relabel them, and consider what you're giving up if you choose not to. And I'll just leave you with this prayer. This is a prayer that I, I give you this several versions of this, uh, probably every couple months. But this is a prayer that I literally pray almost every day, some version of this. Heavenly Father, I want to see me the way you see me. If you see as God sees, you have a potential to do as God does and as God is calling you to do. God, help me to see me the way you see me so I can be who you created me to be, not just for my sake. So I can be who you created me to be for the sake of the world and for the people around me. And I don't wanna hold on to these excuses any longer for the sake of me, somebody made in the image of God, for the sake of my family, for the sake of my future for the sake of the world around me that God has called me to change. And if you take up the invitation to follow Jesus, here's what we said. Jesus' light, who is the light of life, will invade the dark where there's just, it's foggy, there's not clarity. He will invade the dark areas of your life. He will light it up. He will lead you into life and he will free you to know the truth and for that truth to set you free. And when the sun has set you free, you will live your life free. So wherever you are, would you just be willing to acknowledge it, label it, relabel it, interrogate it, surrender it, and just see what God might do in the area that's been holding you back? Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment, and I prayed this all throughout the series. I know that this hits a thousand different ways. There's so many layers to our stories. There's a lot of, yeah, but what about, and things from our past and stuff we're grappling with right now, questions that enter the, come to the surface. And I can't deal with all of those. So I just pray that your spirit would do his thing in the hearts and lives of people. And I pray that you would make this so personal in this moment that wherever this lands, we would be willing to receive it. We wouldn't immediately stiff arm it. We would allow you to do your work in us. And for some of us, I pray that this would be the point of surrendering, not to our excuses being the master of our life any longer, but King Jesus being the master of our life and leading us out of darkness and into light. So do your thing for the sake of our good and for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' incredible name, amen. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.